Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello, and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, my next guest tells us that a good litmus test for the health of a society is how well it treats its girls and how well its girls are faring. Today, some alarming statistics. One out of four adolescent girls report suffering from symptoms of major depression compared with fewer than one in 10 boys. Girls and young women are twice as likely as boys and young men to suffer from anxiety. Suicide attempts have recently increased 51% among girls compared with 4% among boys, including girls ages 10 to 14. Depression occurs more often in girls today than in the past. Adolescent and girls today spend twice as much time on smartphones and on social media than boys. It's only since 2016 that scientists begun have begun to more deeply consider male and female sex differences in the biological underpinnings for how, when, and why depression and anxiety develop in response to adversity and stress. What is going on here? What can we do about it? For that, we turn to my next guest, Donna Jackson Nakazawa. Donna Jackson Nakazawa is the author of four books that explore the intersection of neuroscience, immunology, and emotion, including The Angel and the Assassin, named one of the best books of 2020 by Wired Magazine and Childhood Disrupted which was a finalist for the Books for a Better Life Award. Her latest book, Girls on the Brink, Helping Our Daughters Thrive in an Era of Increased Anxiety, Depression, and Social Media. Her work has appeared in Wired, Stat, The Boston Globe, The Washington Post, Health Affairs, Parenting, AARP Magazine, and Glamour, and has been featured on the cover of Parade and In Time. She has appeared on Today, NPR, NBC News, and ABC News. So welcome, Donna, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you, Robin, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Before we leap into everything, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in exploring girls and mental health? Right. Well, what gets me up in the morning is looking at gnarly problems that I feel have to be taken on if we're going to open up a conversation and understand a little bit more about the why which to me helps to bring down our layer of confusion and bewilderment and fear and allows us to dig in and figure out, okay, what do we really want to do about this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's been a tough problem. Obviously you've written an entire book on girls and mental health. In your book, you, you say it plainly, our girls are living in a toxic era. 
Uh, and you, I, I actually starred the area that said uh, the juxtaposition of, on the one hand, being told that you have freedom and safety to be anything you want. And on the other hand, of coming of age in a society in which there are clearly negative consequences to being female is a chronic, unpredictable, toxic stressor toxic. So what is making you use such strong language when you describe the society and time our girls are currently living through? Well, we use the term toxic stressor as really a term of science now to refer to stressors that are chronic, meaning they're not here and gone. It's not like going to get a shot at the doctor. It means it's just happening all the time. And number two, it's unpredictable. You don't know when it's going to happen, right? So it's this that we call toxic stress because it tells the immune system to gear up the body over and over again for whatever might be coming next. And Look, we don't have to look very far to see that the world that we adults have created for our kids is a little more stressful than we would like. Mm -hmm. The world is heating up emotionally, socially, environmentally, politically. It doesn't matter if you're looking at climate change, school shootings, or what's happening on social media or a pandemic to realize that our kids are being hit from every direction which, with this sense of chronic unpredictable stress. And what makes that so relevant is that through development across childhood, especially into puberty, the brain is asking one super key question. Am I safe growing up in this world? And knowing that I have to go at it on my own one day pretty soon or am I not safe? And more and more kids are getting the message that they're not safe. In this book, I really break down, as you know, the biological processes that happen when the answer to that question is, nope, not safe, not mm -hmm. feeling safe. Mm -hmm. And what that means, and as you pointed out, we just started asking, are there differences between how the female brain and immune system respond during puberty to toxic stress mm -hmm. versus the male brain. Like so many things, we've just been looking at one model. And to be honest, I have written four books on this intersection between the brain and the immune system and emotions. They're all based on a male research model. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty much time. Now that neuroscientists are finally looking at a female research model to report on this intersection between stress and girls. Yeah. So I want to just touch on that at this point, because I think a lot of people, if you ask them like, what's going on, like, why is, why are things so stressful? And people would be pointing outward to social media to media, to, you know, the pressures in school, but there's also something that's going on inward. It's, it's inside of us. It's not all these just outward influences. So let's talk just a little bit about the inner influences and how puberty can impact our girls and their mental health. Right. So what we've come to find as researchers started to look at a female research model of how stress is affecting the brain and immune system during puberty 
is that estrogen is a master regulating hormone. And not to get too bogged down in the science here, but we think of estrogen as this female hormone, but in fact, it's a really regulating hormone. It helps the brain hum along and move smoothly and be flexible and mm. um, think big thoughts and, and do 5,000 things in, in one day, as all girls and women know. But at the same time, we tend to think of it as coming in and rushing up hormones, that thrum of excitement, mood it cha it changes. It does so much more than that. It's actually responsible for remodeling the brain. What happens when it comes rushing in is that the immune system in females, when estrogen onboards, gets this big, potent, extra push. Now, why would that be? I've got to take you a little bit back across evolutionary time to answer that question. The immune system and the brain are super smart, right? They evolved to our needs over the millennia. Estrogen evolved, we evolved so that estrogen gives us this extra immune punch because women have to be able to do more on less than men. We are smaller usually, our organs are smaller while making room for a uterus, which means in order to run and hop and you know um, hunt and do all the things that women might've done long ago and for women to keep up with a, uh, a male body in every possible way, Estrogen gives that extra boost. It's so like, this sounds good though, right? Like yeah, this sounds right? great. So right? then what, what is the issue that's happening now that's making this not work in the best way possible for our girls? Great question. So estrogen is the reason why women have a bigger vaccine immune response. It's unfortunately when it switches and there's too much stress and too much overwhelm, mm -hmm. it begins to over-marshal the immune system to fight back and prepare for bad things. So this means cortisol, fight, flight, freeze, all the things we read about and preparing the body and setting the body into a state of chronic hypervigilance. What does that mean? More stress hormones cascade through the body. And we know what that means over time changes in inflammation and well-being, turning on genes that set the stage for both physical and mental health disorders and sculpting the brain in suboptimal ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, throughout your book, I found myself writing certain words throughout. I mean, I write, I, I read with a pen in my hand. So same. That's, that's not uncommon, but I kept finding myself writing the same things over and over again. Connect, notice, mentor, listen. Our teen girls can clam up and keep to themselves a lot. I mean, I am the mother of a 13 year old girl. So I feel very much like right sitting in the seat reading this book, like, oh yeah, I'm buckling up right now. I really want to know what's going on in her head. And when she does divulge information, I'm like, <gasps> you know, I, I, I have to hold myself back. Right. I'm like, Diving yeah. 
like solving, you're trying to solve uh-huh. the problem and brainstorming right. with her and just be like, mm-hmm. like, let's go. Let's like mm-hmm. do this together, you know? And so when you're talking your book about how it's so important to be a good listener, not jump to problem solving, even when she's telling you something that you're like, I know the answer to this, like, oh, you know, so you talk about like being a good listener, not jumping in. How can we, how can how can we do this? <laughs> Donna, yes. How can we do this? Like, how how can we listen yes. and provide that safe connection and be what we're supposed to be without problem solving and actually disconnecting? Right. So as you know, I devote like a third of the book to this because a um, couple quick facts. Number one, if you aren't regulated, it's really hard for your child to be regulated. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, we all know our child comes home, they're in the car after school, they tell us something. And guess what our brain does when we're worried about our kid? It goes offline. It goes offline. We're not thinking. We're not our best selves. We want to jump in. We want to be the detective. We want to be the fixer. We want to be the judge, you know? But none of that is helpful. And all the things that are helpful go right out of our brain because now we're in fight, flight, freeze. So this book, half the book is devoted to scripts, very discreet scripts, because guess what we know about the brain when we can fake it till we make it, when we can just learn a couple of these scripts and pull them out, even when our brain is dumb and numb. (laughs) It helps our child re-regulate. So, so if our daughter gets in the car and starts like saying, my friend completely ignored me today. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the heck is up. She must hate me. I'm the worst. And going down that path before going into why would she do that? What did she You know, wasn't there somebody else to hang out with? Yeah, yeah, what 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 do we, what are you suggesting we do instead? How does that make you feel when your friends behave that way? Mm. Wow, can you tell me more about that? Oh, that feels really hard. I think anyone in your situation would feel that way. Anyone would feel that way. That's mm. really frustrating. Mom, what do you think? Well, you know, I really want to know what what should I do? What do you think? Because we program them, right? (laughs) To to like get in these solving conversations, which is really not what their nervous system needs. It's not what their brain needs. Wow, I really, really will tell you what I think. But first, I want to hear what you think, honey, because what you think is so much more important than what I think. Uh, I circled that in your book. Uh, yeah, I did. I circled that. And I was like, some of them, I was like, oh, I say that. I get that. Yes. I say, I say that. Yes. Um, I get that. That's really frustrating. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I had some of those. Some of them, I was like, oh, yeah, like, let's put that into the nice. repertoire. Um, because, you know, you you don't want to say the same thing over and over again. Or they're like, you always say that. Mm-hmm. So. So those were, you know, those are all good. And I like the idea of saying something like, I'm, I will absolutely tell you what I think, uh, because I know you want to know. I, I just want to hear what you think initially, you know, because it's, it's, 
really important to know what you think first. I think that's like so important to do. So important. And they need to hear it. They're differentiating. They're, they're starting that feeling of autonomy is really important. And the things that will open up when they have that freedom to speak freely, Mm -hmm. they may be thinking things that you didn't even know they were thinking. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that everyone at school hates me. Oh, I didn't know. You know, Mm -hmm. I think I can't do this anymore. You know, we think we'll recognize signs that our kids are struggling, but we really don't because we don't open up these doors to hear what they're really thinking. And this is especially true for girls whose studies show ruminate a lot more than boys. Mm -hmm. And that is just very, very, very problematic because we know that high rumination with low action is very much associated with depression and anxiety and Mm -hmm. allowing kids to see us being safe and regulated and listening gives them the opportunity to feel safe and regulated and listened to And that in and of itself is an action, getting girls into a safe place to talk is an action that breaks rumination. So what would you say then to the person listening right now, the many people that are listening right now that are saying, I have tried. Yeah. Like I, I've asked, I wait, I listen, I... I want to know what's Mm -hmm. going on with my daughter. And she says nothing. She says, I'm fine. I Mm -hmm. I feel like she's not fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, she doesn't tell me anything. I know nothing. What do you say to the parent who's like, I'm here, but she's not talking to me? Well, a couple of things. Um, First of all, it's not all on you. And I'll get to that in just a second. We are, you know, we tend to think, and moms much more so than dads tend to think, my shoulders must carry this, you know, (laughs) I will do it all. Oh my God. You know, if they're not happy, it's on me. If they don't talk to me, it's on me. Dads don't. I'm the worst parent. Like I'm horrible at this. Clearly everybody's better than me than this. I watch them walking around. They're all together and having lunch and my daughter's in her room. daughter, talking (laughs) to her mother. Exactly. Exactly. First of all, and we'll get to, we'll get to what do I, what do I mean by that. But, but first remember that it's okay to say to your child, I don't think I have all the tools to figure out what's going on here, but I have a sense that you're struggling. And I want you to know that even though I don't have every tool in every minute, I, I care. I love you. I see your light. I want to know. And I'm just going to kind of hang around. I'm not going to hang around in your space, but here's a cup of tea. I'm here always. This door is always open. Another good strategy that I've found is being able to say, listen, these conversations are hard even for adults. Mm -hmm. They're hard for everybody. It's not just you. It can feel like it's just you, but it's not just you. And I want to make a promise to you. And here's my promise that if you come to me with anything that you're feeling or something hard, I promise not to ask questions. Give them a coupon for, you know, no question conversations, because some sometimes we've trained our children 
<laughs> to equate any kind of revelation or any kind of um, admission to something that isn't good, right? Like I felt really depressed after my final today or whatever, to have a big, huge response. Right. They're trying to figure out their own responses. They're trying to figure okay. out what they feel and need. They're yeah. trying to develop a sense of relational awareness to themselves. Mm-hmm. You might be happy to hear that yesterday I used your book uh, just for the briefest check with Thank my you. daughter. And I said, so I'm reading this book and I'm interviewing the author tomorrow. And it says in here that girls your age uh, are, are really struggling and the that depression and anxiety are way up. Do you feel like you need to talk to somebody? Like, do you need to talk to somebody outside of me? Like, would you want a therapist or a counselor to to talk to? Is there anything that you feel like you're struggling with? She's like, no, I'm 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 really fine, mom. I'm fine. I'm like, well, then, will you just tell me if you ever need to talk to somebody? That is completely on the table. So I just wanted to let you perfect, <laughs> perfectly done. And one thing that my editor and I talked a lot about at Random House was having a book. Truly, where the cover could sit on a mother's bedside table Mm -hmm. and be a conversation piece, not Mm -hmm. be threatening, not be overwhelming, not be negative, not be accusatory to the parent Mm -hmm. or too worrisome to the child, but something where it could actually serve as a conversation piece in its physical form. Right. Now, you mentioned bringing in outside help, and I mentioned it too here's why it's so important. We're not meant to do this alone, right? Mm -hmm. We have all these Mm -hmm. tiny little families and every family is worried. Will my kid get that prize? Will my (laughs) kid get that college acceptance? Didn't you call, wait, wait, what did you call that? I call that starling. Starling. Starling I I wrote that down. Yeah. 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 Starling effect. Yeah. Yeah. Because starlings kind of, you know, they kick each, kick other, other birds, you know, uh, fledglings out of the nest and put mm-hmm. in their own. And we've gone from all wanting all kids to rise to kids growing up in an atmosphere where, okay, I know my parents mm-hmm. really love Susie, but we both played violin and only one of us is going to get a seat in the youth orchestra, mm-hmm. you know, so that we kids are coming of age at a time where being best matters than more, even when they really need the message that your big job is just to grow up and be a good person. Yeah. With yeah. that said, with this individualizing of the family, with this moving away from kind of the village, we need outside help. We need to yeah. think of our teachers in schools the way we would if our child had problems with their ankle and ran track. You know, we tend to go to the coach and say, hey, you know, my kid's sprained their ankle this summer and and I'd like you to let me know if there's anything we need to talk about. But if our child is having anxiety or depression or other mental health concerns in this individualized family, be best world, we tend to not talk about it with the people who might see other signs mm. and who might help us the most. So working with teachers. Hey, she struggled this summer. You know, she was in summer camp and she came home early with chatting and some anxiety, just, 
you know, please let me know if there's anything mm-hmm. that you see. And also normalizing therapy in your family. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey guys, I'm I'm off to go see my therapist. Right. I'll be right. back in an hour. Um, oh, yes. honey, to your partner. Oh, didn't your therapist say, keep it generic. We're not giving away parent secrets here to young children, (laughs) but too often it's kind of like, oh my God, I heard that she ended up in the ER because she was so depressed. Mm -hmm. What? Or, Mm -hmm. um, she, mom, I heard she's seen a therapist. Oh my God. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, because right. we're one upping all the time. And of course, social media makes this much worse. Mm-hmm. Just coming in and saying, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, it is that she's taking care of herself, right? She's taking care of herself. Yeah. How are we taking care of ourselves? It's it's really overwhelming out there. It's important to have that outside help too, because sometimes our, our kids don't feel like they can talk to us about everything. I mean, we want them to talk to us about everything, but sometimes they want to talk to, I certainly have been in this position where I'm, I'm the aunt, you know, and like, yes. So it's easier to talk to the aunt about it. And I'm, you know, I'm the youngest, um, you know, and I've got two older brothers. So like, I was kind of, I I guess the cool aunt, maybe, I don't know. I think you are right. Like, so (laughs) I was somebody that especially one of my nieces, you know, often spoke to, and I loved being in that position. So sometimes you, you do need to let other people in, even if you do want to be the person. And you mentioned, you know, that, that Starling effect actually had made me think I wrote in the book, like, how does that impact this feeling of like, you want your, you're like teaching your kid open-mindedness and, you know, letting people in and, and talking about diversity and, you know, we have black lives matter and, and LGBTQ. And, and when we're dealing with all this competition, it, it's almost, it feels like it works against that. I, I was wondering what you thought of that. It wasn't that you wrote it in the book specifically, but I had written it in the margin going, well, this seems like yep. we push against each other when we're trying to do right. one thing, like be inclusive. But, right. So, but, I think, but be the best. <laughs> but be the best. Right. So that is another form of cognitive dissonance for kids. Mm-hmm. And I think the way to shift out of that is to think about it a little bit differently. And I write about this in the book about the difference between extrinsic value and self worth and intrinsic value and self worth. So we're really in a time where every single sense of um, do I matter is coming from what we call extrinsic value. What do I mean by that? Were your posts liked on social media? Mm -hmm. Were you invited to the party? Did you get the A? Are you in the honors class? How many colleges wanted you? Did you get the seat in the orchestra? Are you on the A team or the B team? Mm -hmm. Are you on the travel debate team or the club debate team? Everything is having extrinsic value. And kids, when they're not at school, they're online. So it's 24-7 feedback of extrinsic value. What we Mm want to do is move kids toward intrinsic value. And so very, you know, it's very important to know how we can begin to do that. Of course, everything starts at home and kind of 
you know, balloons from there into immediate community, extended community in the world at large. At home, it's shifting and dialing down the way we evaluate girls, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of, whoa, you were the fastest on the track team, which, yay, we're proud. Who doesn't love to see our kids do well or get that gold, that silver cup or be the first one across the finish line? We all love that, but that's not what we're teaching them. Right. Hey, right. wow, you really worked hard. Mm-hmm. What does that feel like for you? Again, allow their experience to come before yours. Ugh, decentering yourself. Decentering <laughs> yourself, deprogramming yourself. Yeah. So, so important. You're and by doing all the things we've talked about in the past half hour, Robin. You're doing something so important. You're creating a sense of emotional safety and connection. What we call the fancy term biosynchrony with -hmm. your child, Mm -hmm. which is every cell in you is attuned to allowing every cell in her to be her, not you. Mm. Oh, gosh. That's heavy. And when that happens, (laughs) something beautiful happens. We know that the most important thing in girls' adolescent development, if you were to ask me, what's the one most important thing to remember, is that girls thrive best when when their family answers yes to this question. Can this child come and talk to you about really hard things? Yeah. So all that we're talking about is really setting the stage so that we can answer yes to that question. And if you can't, it's okay, right? I've raised kids. I had teenagers. Mine are in their young 20s now. You start where you are. If the answer to some of these questions is, nope, not doing that. Nope, I failed that test. Just stop, stop, because the self-judgment is just more of the motherhood story that we've been, you know, raised as women to take on to ourselves. And then we get caught in ruminating. Then we're not self-regulated. Then every cell in us is not communicating to them that they can come to us with hard things. Start where you are. There are dozens, hundreds of scripts in the book to help parents do that for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and of course, you know, here we are on how to talk to kids about anything. And we're constantly talking about very, very tough topics. And the people who are listening in are saying, yes, right now, we, we are here to learn and to grow. One of the areas that were was very difficult, I thought, in your book was on sexualization of girls and mm-hmm. some of the stories that that accompanied that. Often when we're talking about gender, just in general, when we're talking about girls and gender, we're often focusing on confining messages that we hear or see or glean, like we don't want girls to only feel like they want, they need pink or dolls or rainbow ponies. What about the building and the cars and the math and the blue? You're talking about gender messages that girls receive every day that that are really much heavier than that. And you say gender messaging is never a non-issue and you're discussing safety and sexualization and messaging that goes along those issues. So can you tell us 
how do we combat that with our language for for girls who go out into the community and go to school and are getting feedback from people about what they're dressing and how their bodies look and what their faces look like and what they might be doing behind closed doors, even if they're not. How do we talk to them about this? And what do we say to combat it? Well, I think the two big arenas that we're looking at here are, of course, online, social media, and also, of course, the people who surround your child yes. in her day-to-day world, right? So there are kind of two different answers. In terms of social media, what we're really looking for is social media literacy. And that involves two steps. One, it's having a social media plan in your home. You know, I interviewed uh, pediatricians and girls and experts of every, every possible background. And you would be surprised. Nobody has that conversation. Very few families actually have a conversation which says, what are our values around social media? How are we as a family how do we view and value or not value social media in this family? And what does that mean? Well, you know, for us, we value being together at dinner time. That means no phones at dinner time. We value sleep. That means cell phones come out of the room yep. for adults too. Yep. At, you know, an hour before bedtime. That means that we, part two, sit down and we talk about what are we seeing? Who made that? What do you think that person felt like when they when they posted that picture? Well, what do you think it means that all these comments this girl is getting are so critical from women and men? Why do you think it is that on TikTok, the more clothes a girl takes off, the more likes she gets? I wonder what's going on here. So media literacy is this ongoing conversation. D you know, deconstructing as you would a literary novel, right? For any English major majors mm-hmm. in the room. Yep. I'm one of them. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um, and what is, what is going on here behind the scenes? Who made it? What was it intended for? Um, what do we make of these comments? What do you think that we could do differently when we're posting online? And also having those, those family rituals and routines around social media. It also means for the adults, you're out shopping with your daughter, put your phone away. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's get in the dressing room, trying something on and you realize it's a good time to check six work emails. Who's who hasn't been there, mm-hmm. but when she comes out and she's 14 and her body is developing, she needs to see this person who's there for her not work emails. So as the self, you know, as smartphones have interloped into our world, it's really, really important to remember that they shouldn't interlope into that time we spend with our children. Okay. Okay. Now in the outside world, slightly different answer. Mm -hmm. Um, And here too, in the book, I have so many scripts, you know, I, I interviewed so many different girls and the stories they told me, um, were, you know, quite hilarious, some of them, right? So um, for instance, you know, you have this uncle who's kind of sexist. Oh, yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> I remember that section. Yes. And and you're watching a basketball game and he goes, Oh, that girl shouldn't be wearing that uniform, mm-hmm. man. She'd look, she'd look a lot better in a in a cocktail dress. Mm-hmm. She's going, what? I said she'd look a lot better. She that uniform's not serving her. Hmm? And getting people to repeat what they're saying again and again and again and again. And this also comes into very simple responses that we can have. For instance, um, somebody says, I hate to be sexist, but she, I don't like, I don't be sexist. Yeah. It's like, let's just stop that. Then stop stop, right there. (laughs) Then just, just stop right there. We can go on and on with, with scripts that are very, very helpful And we have to model them for our girls when our girls are 10 or 11 or 13 and extended friends or family have comments. As one girl told me in the book, her dad used to say when friends came over and she hit puberty early, developed really quickly. Oh, my God. You know, Julia's turned 16 overnight Mm -hmm. and or go put a bra on Mm -hmm. and say and she turned around and said to her dad. If your friends have a problem with my not having a bra on, maybe they shouldn't be your friends. Mm. Allowing our girls to speak back when it comes Mm. to boundaries for their bodies Mm. and how they're viewed. Let Mm. girls walk out of the room in the middle of a discussion with their dad. Don't breed, you know, respect for the male word when it's not warranted or appropriate. Mm. 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 That's really interesting that you really want to give girls agency so that they can speak their mind and they can also say, you know what, this isn't healthy for me. This conversation isn't healthy for me. And I really don't want to prolong it anymore because what you're saying is, is not only incorrect, but it's, it's causing a problem in my, in my body. It's a causing a problem in my mind. And and I need to do what's what's healthiest for me. Right. And if a girl can't say that, if she can't say because she doesn't feel that freedom in her family mm-hmm. to just say, hey, I need you to stop. Right. It can be that simple. Hey, I need you to stop. An adult, the woman in the room, the adult, the dad, the mother can say, hey, I need you to stop right there. Yeah. I need, yeah. You, to stop. Okay. I need you to stop right there. You know, and if somebody goes on and on, you know, you can. <laughs> Yeah. There is the door. Yes. So, so out of all the anecdotes that you provide for the messaging that girls are getting, what would you say is the most important thing that you would tell people to do right now um, out of all the anecdotes that you provide in the book? The antidotes, every single one of them, I would say the most important thing is to remember, we're going to go back to being the listener. There are good studies which show that in different two different groups of people, one in which someone was asked questions and one in which somebody just sat there mm. with calm, attentive presence, the person who just sat there without asking a single question elicited more details, more emotion, more truth, more honesty, and more reflection in the person they were listening to. And so I'm just going to go back to that because it begins 
there. All these other things that we're talking about, like speaking back when sexist uncle speaks mm-hmm. up, they require that emotional safety and connection. Mm-hmm. Everything comes from that. Mm-hmm. And I would just double down on start where you are. I didn't do these things perfectly. Why do you think I wrote a book about it? Yeah, believe me, I I feel that too every time I'm writing. Give us your top tip. What do you want people to take away after listening to this podcast or reading your book? Besides the fact that they should make sure that they're listening and providing connection, what would be your top tip? Well, the top tip would be because I think you've said that the most of the listeners are going to be mothers, right? Well, parents, yes. mothers, yes, yeah, certainly, and educators and coaches. The top tip I would say is don't ruminate over what you've done right and mm. done wrong. Mm. Don't recall, don't go back, don't ruminate. We're moving forward here. Mm -hmm. And there were times writing the book where I thought, you know, (laughs) I I just, I want to hit rewind. I wish I could go back to that. But I promise you, if you don't recall, don't ruminate, which again, what do we say is a, is a road to depression and anxiety. And it's a, it's a non-action state. We have to break that with action. And I can promise you things begin to change when we begin to change. Mm-hmm. I, my kids now, my daughter <laughs> very recently, you know, flipped it on me and said, you know what, mom, I'll tell you what I think about that. But first I want to hear more about what you <laughs> think. <laughs> That's really so, funny. So just, just know that change comes, it happens. And the rumination and the going back in time are not helpful. Your brain is very plastic. Your daughter's brain is extremely plastic. And last but not least, you know, do the work on soothing yourself. If you feel like you can't go into these situations and be the soothing presence you want to be, figure out what that's about. Mm. Thank you for all of that. I'm taking that in personally, as well as uh, on this podcast as the host. So thank you for that. And give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you and your book and the work you're doing? You can just go to my website. Random House has everything up there that you could ever need, um, how to learn more about um, what, what I'm doing, the book, and it's just DonnaJacksonNakazawa.com. So Nakazawa is the tough part. N-A-K is in kangaroo, A, Z is in zebra, A, W is in water, A, DonnaJacksonNakazawa.com. And we'll have all of that information on the show notes to the podcast. So anybody who's running around right now or literally running, because sometimes you take us exercising. Thank you very much. Uh, If you're in the car, wherever you might be, we've got you. We've got this down so you can check that out uh, at my website if you're not remembering what what the other website is, okay? And I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and for talking about your book and talking about your insights, your strategies, your anecdotes, so that all of us can learn something about how we can help our girls thrive in today's society. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Robin, for having me. And I'll just add, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter oh, and all yes. those places um, where we where 
we try to use social media for good. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And of course, we'll be going back and forth this whole week talking about the podcast. And since I'll be quoting you and going back and forth, people can take those quote cards and send them all over the place and talk about the things that that struck them about the podcast. So thank you so much for being on the show. And I look forward to future conversations with you. Thank you so much, Robin. Such a pleasure. Thank you for a wonderful interview and a conversation. I felt like I was having a cup of coffee with a friend. I like that. And I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. You can go up on Facebook and go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. Like I said, we're going to be going back and forth with Donna all week. Uh, you can go to the, go to Twitter under Dr. Robin. You can go to Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. We'll be connecting all of the social media. I'm also on TikTok. I've gotten started on there. And if you love this podcast, like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about Donna and her work and Girls on the Brink so that they can use this information in their own homes. Every time you rate and review the podcast, it pops up more. You know these algorithms and it helps when you put those five-star reviews up there. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, our articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts up there in the show notes, as I mentioned, will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. I get it. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget Parenting often, often, often provides that ultimate do-over. So if you messed up, you said the wrong thing, you didn't say the right thing, whatever it is, you often get another chance to do it again. I see you and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. been listening to how to talk to kids about anything with dr robin silverman for more information on books articles speaking engagements or curriculum please visit drrobinsilverman.com